the record, right? Okay, welcome to the podcast, Off the Record, with Nick Wichman and Trey Tatum. We're here, episode three. We've made it three whole weeks. We're very proud of our commitment to this, and we're glad if you get to listen to this, and uh, welcome. We're here talking about music production and the life behind that type of creative endeavor, trying to connect the dots between our inspiration and our creation and lives and stuff. Well said. <laughs> Very well said. Before we hit record, we were talking about podcasting and we were talking about uh, Casey Neistat and Candace's podcast and just talking about their relationship. And it's really interesting. Um, so we thought we'd hit record and bring it in real quick to a nice <laughs> little intro. Yeah. So we were talking about how... <clears throat> They sort of um, have a interesting dynamic together and how it seems like there is a lot of clashing personalities happening, which seems to like contribute to a lot of um, the, the problems that they talk about that they've faced in the past. Um, but it seems like they've been coping well with it, with their, you know, going to therapy and stuff like that. I'm only like four or five episodes in. You mentioned, Trey mentioned something, it was that it seems like Candace has a lot of, like, uh, self-esteem and self-doubt in her business and everything, and I wanted to, to touch on that, because I think I know, I, I can understand where she's coming from, Yeah, because her business, which is making, like, custom jewelry and cool ways and throwing events and all this stuff, which seems cool, I don't know if you've seen any of that stuff. Yeah, I looked it but, up. Um, and then she makes clothing type shit and it's cool. But uh, her company kind of blew up because it was Casey Neistat's girlfriends or yeah, wa- now wife's yeah, and that's company. Kind of, that's kind of fucked up to be writing coattails kind of. Yeah. Or at least that's how I would interpret it if, if, if I was in that position. It's like, it's like, well, this is only working because of somebody else's efforts doing something else so i i totally understand that aspect of it like how that could feel and Um, i and and i wonder if she like i can imagine that she would wonder if her business would work if it hadn't been for him being there supporting i think it would actually based based on dude i see so many websites i see so many websites and so many online stores daily I, I i get i like i see people's newsletters i see like how they're marketing themselves i see people's analytics i mean that's just the nature of supporting a product that has yeah. all that stuff you know so it's like seeing how she's handling her brand and how good her website looks how good her product looks and the way that she's handling the online presence of her brand, like, I think it would work without that. I think, I think that that's, it's, it's something that if you, if, if you do it right, an online store like that, like, I'm not sure if she's like in physical stores too or whatever, but I just went to the website and just looking at how she's set it up and like how she has everything 
sort of, I mean, she, you can tell she works really hard to, to do the marketing, right. Do the, all, all the inner workings of like running an online store. Right. So, and like, I, I feel like seeing so many sites all the time that are doing the same kind of stuff. Like you can see the ones that are kind of like on the higher end of like, you're doing it right. And then there's the opposite end, which is like, you should stop and rethink how, what you're doing because this isn't, this doesn't look like anything that would get people to people's interest or whatever. Yeah. And then in the middle, like, I mean, it's a bell curve in the middle. There's like, oversaturation of all the same shit so it's like mildly successful but it's just like everything else you've seen so i feel like she's on the higher end of like she has a unique product she has she's doing the the marketing the branding correctly to where it's like getting exposure i don't know that's just my impression of it i didn't spend too much time on the site obviously because like i don't i'm not interested in jewelry or whatever i mean her t-shirts are pretty cool yeah I like the brand. I like the concept. I like that they do these events where they, or I guess it might be a storefront. I'm not sure. Um, but they do these these events where people come in and they, you get the jewelry and they saw they solder it onto you. No, like they take way. the bracelet and they solder it. You put your hand in this tube, like a cert, like a surgical, like a. It's like a CAT scan looking thing, but really small. Yeah. Put your hand in there and they look through this thing and they literally solder it on. See, you. that's freaking cool. Like that's a cool, like, I don't want to say gimmicky, but that's the word that it, it's like a cool experience for yeah. somebody. Yeah. Instead of just going to a store and like, oh, I like that one or whatever. Yeah. And I like buying it. It's like, there's this whole thing where somebody's, it's almost like getting a tattoo. Like somebody's doing a service for you to, to put this on you. Totally. And they do, what's cool is it will, if you get it soldered onto you or welded onto you, whatever it is, then you're not going to take it off unless it breaks. So it's like, there's a bit of like brand loyalty and permanence because of that. And that's interesting because it's almost like an unspoken thing of like the quality. It's like, we're putting this on you long-term. Yeah. So we're, comp- we're, it's, I mean, obviously I'm not sure if they actually say that, but it's like this, we're, we didn't make a shitty product. That's gonna, that you're going to buy a new one next year or next month or whatever. It's like, this is on, on you now. And we're committed to the long-term yeah. just as much as you are. So that's actually really cool. Like, that's just, like, my impression of it, I guess. I don't know if they actually planned that or thought about it at all, but it's cool. Yeah, it's a cool concept. They, I think they also do have a tattoo artist that gives, like, little tattoos at their events. No way. That's cool. It's smart. What if we played shows and we had a tattoo person that was just, like, tattooing something stupid on people? <laughs> people would do it. I know. People would do it. Anyways, we were talking about... Sorry, we were talking about... We were talking the, about the relationship. The the self-doubt, self-deprecation that sort of is, like, behind the scenes, it seems like, when you hear her talk about herself. she Like, it's clear that she doesn't like talking about herself. 
She doesn't like when Casey talks about her. Or her success. Or her success. Or, or positive things. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I think that... That's interesting. There's a lot of... There's a lot of uh, room for doubt in, in our lives. And I'm curious, like, the fact that, sh- that Candace Poole has, an, has this company that is successful and, and getting bigger, and she's the type of person that still has self-doubt and kind of doesn't want anybody talking about her success because she doesn't believe it, kind of. Yeah. Like, that makes me wonder, like, is there a level where you are just kind of untouchable emotionally? Do you get to the point where you are like, we are, we are the gods of our industry? I think only if you're like an egomaniac. <laughs> Do you think Jeff Bezos feels like that? I don't, I'm, maybe, I don't know. I, there, I mean, there is some stuff that I've read that like really high performance, high highly active like CEO type people are like on the spec, like the spectrum of like being psychopaths or sociopaths. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that I've read. I don't know anything about that in terms of like the actual science, but I've, I've read that, that it's common for like really um, driven successful people to have sort of tendencies for that kind of is that what a makes that is that what a megalomaniac is somebody who's i don't know we could look it up megalomaniac uh, a person who is obsessed with their own power yeah yeah i guess what was the incubus had this song megalomaniac too i think there was about i haven't thought about incubus in a long time <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that was about uh that was about let's look who was that about? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Go to the wiki. Uh, I feel like it's really far away. So the song is not specifically targeted at anybody. The song meaning pertains to megalomaniacs in general, with a particular emphasis on El Guapo from the American comedy film Three Amigos. So it's about El Guapo. <laughs> is, that is weird. That's I wonder what Brandon Boyd's not what up I to. Expected. No, well, it's uh, you know surprise and delight. I mean, he was a megalomaniac. Yeah, El Gavapo. Back to self doubt. I've been I've been noticing a, this is an interesting transition, but uh, or uh, I'll start here. In our path, we always doubt what we're doing. We doubt what we're making. As if like it's gonna like will people like it? Will people care? Will people listen? You know all that stuff. But I don't think that we ever doubt the, our reason for doing it. You know. Like, yeah. Well, I think we maybe used to. I, I think it's it's interesting because we. There's there's, I feel like there's two things that are at play if we, if we feel self doubt about our creative work. It's like we're either comparing it to other people who are already successful, mm-hmm. which is a losing game. Yeah. As we've learned. Yeah. But also as we put ourselves out there, play shows around, um, put albums out, and we don't seem to get the engagement that we had hoped, that sort of compounds on the 
already like the feelings of inadequacy that we already have. Sure. So it's like almost like what we're making isn't as good as the stuff that I'm listening to. And then on top of that, nobody's coming to our shows. So so it's it's like, well, but I I feel like that incubated, it's like an incubus. (laughs) I, I feel like that sort of incubated this underlying, um, goal that we've made to where we it's not about the engagement for us it's about the creation and I feel like it took us a little bit to let go of the engagement and focus more on the creation and that's part of why the album we're working on is more well thought out and more intentional than maybe previous albums have been in the past because we sort of embellished the yeah, the creative process for far too long. I think we, yeah, I agree, and we're kind of at the point where we just, like we just need to get our new album out, which is you know, and that's like the ongoing. Yeah, and I think that it's actually interesting. There's a parallel to the theme of the some of the themes of the album, where during the creative process and during the years that we've been working on these songs, we've been ignoring the self-doubt because we're like we're just working on this and it's fun and we haven't had to face the idea of sharing it yeah and putting it out because of how things have gone in the past so it's almost like we're face we're now facing the reality that what we've been working on may not be as good as as good as it needs to be. And so that's why we're stuck is because it's that, it's that conflict of, of, of facing what we've been putting aside for so long. It's like, well, are we ready for, are we, are we ready? And is this good enough to, to, to take the next step? And I don't think it's like, we've been putting it. We're not like putting it off. We're truly like doing what we can but it's just been so nice to not be concerned. Yeah. Well, it's been in the back of our minds and, and we've been more focused on actually like doing what we want and, yeah. and, and exploring and learning and refining. But now it's getting close and it's, we've done all the tinkering that we can. And so now we're sort of listening to these songs and being like, well, what else does it need? And I think that that is rooted in, what else would be acceptable or what else would make it more acceptable? Yes. What else would help this slip into the mainstream (laughs) without anyone noticing that it's just us. But like that's, that's like one of the main themes of the album is, is, is facing the adversity instead of turning away from it. Yeah. So, and I think there's a, you know, this is this is back back to my transition. I'm still in mid transition here. I think that uh, everyone is a critic. Everyone will say what they think, but what percentage of everyone puts out something and makes themselves vulnerable like that? Not many. It like you giving a scathing review of Taylor Swift's Taylor Swift's album or some music video that she did and saying that she's a talentless whatever 
Like that doesn't make you vulnerable because in, in as in anybody, I'm not pointing at anybody, but like that's just spewing kind of condescending hate. Yeah. And that's, you're hidden behind a wall of, of, of kind of non-accomplishments. Not, yeah. Well, yeah, the non-accomplishments for sure. They, it's, uh, it's hard to, to put your heart and soul into something for a couple years and release it as a one hour consumable experience. Especially if that's only one sense, like movies are so rich because you see them and you hear them, you know, and then there's like the emotion tied between those two. So if something sounds stupid, if somebody's voice is dumb in a movie, you can get over it because the movie looks good. Yeah. Or if the movie looked stupid, but the story is really good and you, the sound design is really good. It's like, there's, there's so many layers that it's, it's uh, easier to consume it without being focused on what's wrong. And yeah. it, and when it, like if people just released m- silent movies that you sat in a silent theater and watched, people would be more critical of what they saw. Yeah. And, and then music is kind of the same way. It's so, it's so ingrained in our culture because we listen to music while we're doing stuff. We yeah. don't listen, you don't sit in your living room very often anymore and put a record on. Yeah. People do that, but that's or, or listen to the radio just yeah. sitting there P- people who are really into music do that but sure not the regular people who, like regular consumers I no guess. and audiophiles is what i'd call them they're probably not listening to our music no um they're listening to you know whatever the, the albums that are the best and the rec- and have the best sound and they're s- stupid whatever um i think it's cool but uh it's just, it's very easy to be critical of, of anything. Yeah. And music, like along the same lines as like the movie analogy, music is even more constrained than that. Like you have to tell a story with a meter and a melody and a rhyme. You don't have to, but we do. We try to. Most people, most people have, there is a meter. There's a beat that you're following. There is a melody that you're kind of following. And there, there's a time restriction. It's not an audiobook. Yeah. It is literally like you get three minutes. Yeah. And if you're rooted in like, like we are in like rock and pop music, like there is a certain structure that, that we are used to that we tend to like, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Yeah. You know, it's something like that because we like that and that's what we kind of respond to so we put that in our so that's even more structure and more like restraints because it's like well you can't have well you can but it's like are we going to have a fourth verse are we going to have this repeat another measure yeah like there's there's those those thoughts that you have when you're writing stuff where you're like this part is getting this this part is a little long it feels weird. Yeah. And so you cut, you cut some of it out and then it feels better, but then it's like, you just, the story is like, yeah. Yeah. That's tough. And I can't, I can't think of how many times we've like sat down like for two hours trying to 
figure out the perfect rhyme with the perfect lyrics to solve a verse that we're trying to like make it more meaningful. Yeah. Because we don't like the the original lyrics. So we're trying to like rewrite it and then it becomes this whole thing where it's like, wow, we're, we're making, we're putting so many restrictions on what it could be because we have some sort of expectation for it. Or if you're following rules. And we've even gone back to the original shit. Like, what song is it? I think it was uh, Ultra, where we wrote a whole new chorus, and then we went back to the original chorus because it's flowed better. An entire chorus that's not being used. They're all, the problem is they're all fine. And, And if you're making music that is expressive without any lyrics or with just with a sample looping, then cool. That's really awesome. And your music, like we've been listening to, uh, no, no taker, no, not a no taker, no taker, whatever. Not a but super kind of, uh, what it, what is it? It's like electro wave, progressive housey synth pop type stuff. And that's, that's a lot of words. It's a lot of words, but it's super cool. It's kind of choppy, but it's mixed like DJ with vocals that are cool and but kind of meaningless, and lyrics that are cool. And I don't, I don't remember anything. A lot of, a lot of cool retro synths and stuff. Yeah, which is really. But really that cool. type of mu- that of type of songwriting is awesome, and and DJ production for beats without real storylines is is awesome. But when you have a story to tell, figuring out the the way that works, even if the even if the song is it, it's kind of like James Blake is a perfect example. His songs are really rich, and they are not quite danceable or or they're so abstract. Yeah, like he's considered dubstep. Before all the mayhem that became that Skrillex yeah, <laughs> introduced yeah. was, and it's it's like his his style is so abstracted from music because it's meant to give you a feeling, yeah, and con- convey you know his the story, and that that's really interesting. It's like you you don't need people. This is a challenge for us that we've been dealing with is that when you're writing music we very often think about how is this going to translate to the show? Because over the past several years, our self-doubt and our our, uh, lack of engagement pushed us to create a show experience that was undeniably engaging. And we did it. Yeah. We did it. Every show we played, people were like, they said these words, which drives us fucking crazy. They come to us after the show and they're like, wow, you guys are actually good. <laughs> it's like, like they didn't expect like, what it the to fuck? Come on, man. I'm like, Jesus Christ. What do you think we're doing up here? You think we're just fucking hanging out? Jam band yeah, in our we, garage? We've talked for, we've talked at length about that reaction where it's just like people are just used to mediocrity. I'm not saying like we're like amazing, like and people should expect that. I'm just saying, like, to have to have your best compliment at the end of playing a set be, wow, you're actually good. Yeah. I didn't expect you to be good. 
one I, yeah uh, one hour of of produced uh, concert performance with electronic music, custom light shows that we do ourselves, and full stage movement like two guys, and we're we're demanding the attention of a of full venues, and at the end we get multiple it, it's not even like once we had this it's like at least twice per show be like people are always like you know you guys are actually good <laughs> oh shit really I mean, and it's nice to hear that but it's just yeah, like it's better than nothing. it's almost backhanded but what are you what are you gonna do about that you know or they a lot a lot of people in portland portland is a very unique town it's it encourages you encourages you to be artistic encourages you to be weird I have a whole thing about this that I've I've lost my mind thinking about, but but it only Portland encourages you to be Portland weird, not your weird. Like if you're a forty year old man that likes to wear uh, freaking keds and walk around the park uh, catching Pokemon, listening to Chumbawamba. With you know, it's like if you're the the goofy weird that's like not attached to either kind of um, it's like super, grungy grungy yeah. rock scene. It's super novel weird. It's, it's like yeah. It's like oh, there's there's that dude that's freaking weird, and that oh that made my day. Looking at that guy be weird, like the dude that drives around that van that has yeah. all the shit like soldered onto it. And yeah, it has like a monkey super puppet. Glued, super glued onto Super glued it. plastic toys that They're are all spray painted gold and red. Yeah. And he drives around with a monkey puppet singing with his stereo blasting singing to the music with the monkey puppet. It's like, ah, there's that guy again. But I, yeah, but that's, that's, I would say that that's Portland weird. That's what I'm saying. Yes. But the, but like, they're, Portland weird embraces that type of culture and kind of dirtbag bar scene, which we are part of, but it's like that type of culture where you're, you used to be in a garage band. You might be probably still in the same garage band, and, but it's like, and you, it's just like, it's kind of weirdish, Yeah. but it doesn't accept like, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't accept it. Maybe I'm going too far with this, but. Portland is not embracing the nerdy kids sitting in their living room producing pop music because that's not their that's not their type of weird. It's not weird. Or, or, or producing, you know, yeah. dance like, I don't know, our type of dance music. Mm-hmm. We're not part of the Portland weird. And I mean, there's there's people there's groups of people that are into that, but it's like playing for random people. Most of the people are like they engage with like what's it's it's funny because it's what's normal for portland like seeing some like super avant-garde performance where there's like a bunch of weird instruments and people are being really like artsy with it that's kind of a normal thing to see in portland yes but then you you get out you know the dance beats and the freaking synthesizers for bands not for club not for djs yeah. for yeah. for like bands it's very different. Yeah. So that that we've in Portland, we've heard a lot of times that uh, wow, you guys are actually good. That's nice. I I accept that as whatever compliment that is. I appreciate that. The other one we get is wow, um, I am not into that type of music. 
but you guys did it very well. We've heard that a couple times. Yeah, that's that one's hurts. that's the, that that's one the cuts a little one. deeper than the other one. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking the other day. I saw, I saw something. I saw some like a V-neck dog shirt or something that was totally random um, online, and uh, I thought about the show we played. It might have been the first show we played with Brian and Olivia at the Globe, which was on Belmont, which yeah. is no longer there now. It's called the Conquistador. Conquistador. Yeah. Um, we played this show with our lights, with our beats. And it was, this place was like a pizza shop. I don't know if we had the lights then. Did we? We at least had two or four, four lights. Okay. Then we upgraded. But um, this is when we met our friends, Brian and Olivia, who are in a band called Sucker for Lights. They are dope. Um, go check them out. Uh, check in the description. I'll put a link. And then, uh, but so after that show, we were wearing, it was hot. It was, it was like V-neck culture period where like the deeper V's were acceptable. And, uh, I think both of us were wearing V-necks maybe. Yeah. I've since gotten rid of all my V-necks. Yeah. But my tattoo was halfway done on my chest. And this dude afterwards who had finger, fingerless gloves in summer, um, and a hoodie t-shirt. It was a hoodie t-shirt. It was a t-shirt with a hood. Like thin like a t-shirt, not like a hoodie. He came up to us afterwards and he said that. He said that exact thing. You know, I'm really not into that type of music, but you guys did it really well. And I was like, that's kind of a compliment. Thank you. Then he's like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do with those V-necks. You got some some kind of tattoo down there. He's like, you got to stop wearing V-necks, <laughs> which in hindsight, probably did not look that great, but that doesn't matter. I would never tell him to pull those stupid fucking gloves off your dumb little weak ass fingers and get, get a real jacket, cut that hood off your t-shirt and get a fucking job. Cut your hair. Cut your goddamn hair. I would not. I never say that to people. But it's like, I wouldn't. Who does that? And there are some people here that feel they feel empowered to share that sensibility. They're whatever his yeah. sensibility was. She's like, I get what you're going, what you're going for. But you got to change your look, man. I don't like it. It's I don't like, like those well, Phoenix. It's yeah. like, you didn't like the music. <laughs> I don't I don't care what you like. You're literally not our target audience. Literally not. You are quite literally exactly yeah, I wonder who what I do not want we should to have, be here. I wish we would have asked him, like, what are you into? And then hear where that goes. Ambient soundscape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shoe. He'd probably just say shoegaze. Shoegaze is very broad. I mean, he was he was friends of somebody, friends of friends, mm-hmm. who were there for. Sucker for lights. Um, Who's a little shoegazy. They're, little. they're, they're shit shoegazy. But they're really good. So go check them out. Olivia's voice is dope. Brian's voice is dope. Both of them have contributed to our one of our albums, uh, Twin Paradox, mm-hmm. with some vocals and guitar. And yes, and you should check that out on Spotify. It's our older sound. But, you know, we're not, we're not ashamed of where we've been because it shows growth. It is hard for us to listen to some of our older stuff 
because we literally did not know what we were doing at some yeah. point. All we want to do is tweak it. Yeah. It's like if we could just turn the bass down a little bit or EQ this a little learn, bit more, yeah, compress yeah. that. And it's like, it's, it, it's both painful and joyful to listen to our old stuff because, and this is actually what's important because we listen to it and it's not that sonically great because we didn't really have the skill we have now yeah. then. Yeah. But the stories and the feel of it hits, hits us emotionally because those ideas and those themes and, and the lyrics and the, the, the emotion behind what we did carries over and it's that's that's the same continuity of what we're doing now. So listening to it, even though we may like feel weird about how it sounds, we still we still we still feel like it's part of the the larger story that we're trying to tell, part of the larger story of ourselves. Yeah. So it's still impactful and meaningful to listen to it. Yeah. So let's let's really quickly. So, uh, we, we haven't talked a bunch about our past because we're we're looking forward, and who has time to stop and look back? But we might as well introduce ourselves at our at our lowest at the the starting point. We started uh, Ask You and Gray was is is our band name, and you can check us out on Spotify or iTunes or whatever. Um, and our first album was called From Satellites. And we, uh, we're going to give a little background behind it. Just We're going to give a little, little peek behind the curtain because you can listen to it and uh, you might not like a lot of the sounds, but conceptually it's got uh, some merit. So From Satellites, we wrote this in, in between 2000... 2006 two, or 2008 and 2010 we recorded it yeah. between that period but it was all songs that we were playing in Colorado as early as 2006 yeah in 2008 we moved to Chicago and lived there for a couple of years and then in 2010 we moved to Portland yeah some of our influences at the time uh Al City swimming with dolphins um who else we we loved like, you know, um, Death Cab and and Postal Service. I mean, it was all those hits from like two thousand seven. Like we were still, we liked a lot of poppy jams. Like even Metro Station in their first album, which I'm I'm not proud. That this is where we came from. <laughs> well, I mean that that stuff. Like okay, this was that those this was during like when we started writing these songs and and. Figuring out our sound. This was like in the era of peak MySpace. P- post, it was MySpace success. So there was, was a lot of these like scene stir kids doing electronic pop music on MySpace. Like Breathe Carolina when they were doing yeah. electronic me- or hardcore. Yeah. Electronicore. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever weird. they were doing. It was, it was weird. But there was an era. It was an era of like this this interesting super like scrappy electronic stuff it wasn't like classic like techno or club music it was like indie pop yeah nerdy synth before shit. before owl city got big and turned into a disney 
a Disney church a cartoon sermon or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he was with Austin Toft, Austin Toft of Sucker for Lights, they were known. Swimming with Dolphins. Swimming with Dolphins. All these people with whatever. Swimming, yeah, Swimming with Dolphins. Who's Swimming with Dolphins is still, he's still out there doing something. He's hanging out. Uh, he posted some dope corn dog, right? Or hot dog? <laughs> the, the, it, was, it was a corn dog situation. Corn dog, National Corn Dog Day. A lot of, a lot of corn dog stuff. He's, he's working on corn dogs right now. But back in the day, back yeah, back in the day, they were they were like they got the micro Korg when that was kind of when it first came out. We we had we yeah. got it yeah. and we had the Micron, which at least you still have. Different. Yeah, I still have. We got, we got sold out and still. We need um, to fix it. But so we wrote this album off of all of our initial songs and and uh, the concept of the album from satellites. It's kind of about it was rooted in the idea that. Um, like communicating with somebody across the world or, you know, but also tied to our ongoing theme of like solving problems through escapism. Yeah. And this, this one's like, this is like the lighthearted side of escapism where it's like it, when, when you're faced with faced, faced with like some trouble, like it's like, I got the solution. We should just, we should go where the opportunity is or, or where the, where the opportunity is to avoid the problem. Yeah. And this is the first mistake. This, this is, this album is planting a flag where in the story we made the first mistake. Yeah. This is the original sin. Yeah. (laughs) So like the, there's some songs on here, like city lights is, is, roughly about like the corruption of a city and like politics and, and just like how there's, there's stuff in society that's way bigger than a common person can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some, it starts off with rocket ships yeah. by the way, which is the, the icon, the iconic first step in escaping. It's like, we literally built a spaceship to leave together from the, this planet to avoid the problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then there's some love songs on here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like, um, like kind of emotional, like relationship type stuff, um, which sort of sets the tone for why there's problems. Um, we've got reckless, which is about, uh, just fucking getting down. Yeah. Um, counting sheep, which is like... Oh, yeah. Counting sheep. It's about like insomnia and drug habits, roughly. Um, break it down is another one of those things where it's like... Like realizing the corruption of society and like wanting to... All right, recognizing the problem like trying to deal with it and trying to like reason your way through it. And then from satellites is the last album of the track, which is sort of like a song of the album track of the album. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's sort of like an anthemic, um, an anthemic like declaration of like, no matter what happens, like I will, 
always like be connected with you and be um, pursuing you sort of situation. So it's kind of a love song, kind of a mm-hmm. like a lament a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Are you going to play it? We're going to play a little bit of it. I think this track was the first track where we started something bigger. This is the first time we wrote a song that was bigger than we understood, like emotionally. And, it, and it's this is like a, a the resolution in the album is this is this concept of like like all this shit's gone wrong, and the ideas that we escape. But it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, like you said, it's like we'll 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 wait. No matter what, we'll we'll wait. We're, we're yeah. here, committed. We're committed. It's like it's it's like shit's fucked. Let's get out. But it's the connection that yeah. is what kind of matters a little bit. We actually, we actually made a conscious decision to drop the uh, the Lake Lakeshore Drive reference because we were living in Chicago at the time when we released this, and so we kind of wanted to um, do a, a little bit of a shout out just because just to show where we've come from our beginnings in Fort Collins, Colorado. So it it, it both gives us a little bit of a reference to where we're at but also calls it's sort of um reiterates that feeling of distance from the past i guess Mm -hmm. yeah We do a lot. Back to that. We try to do that a lot. Theme. But here we kind of we start to introduce some like orchestral elements, and the song is turning into it's turning into like the emotions of of uh, like desperate connection. And like with it, this is something that that we do very often now. Yeah. And we like we don't write albums for. <laughs> We have a hard time writing albums for solely the the punch of good beats. 
And it's like if we don't have those moments that drop and hit you with the emotions, like this this album again, like sonically is not that, not super strong, but like when it hits these parts, if you hear what we're saying and you feel what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do, <laughs> then it's like really the message is received. Yeah, the, yeah, the message is received. So many things that I would do differently, but that's not the point. That's not the point. I still get emotional about that. Me too. Ugh. And it's like that. I think that that track is what it was like the, the proof in the pudding. Like, (laughs) it's like, there's something here that's more than what it is. Yeah. And that's what we've been chasing. Yeah. It's, it's, Taking a song is just a representation of a thought. And if you can, in our history of our music making, we turn these really heavy thoughts like, like that, you know, it's like, you know, you know, I'll wait here for you. You know, I'm waiting for you. Like the idea of, of holding out for what we want. 
and, and need emotionally with someone else. Like that's, that's kind of a heavy thought. And what we do, what we typically do, which is so, it's so in line with the idea of escaping is we take songs that are heavy like that and we shift and pivot the style into a fun show song. We literally deflect the feeling of what we're singing and, and the story we're telling to be something fun and engaging at a show where nobody can quite really understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Like that's literally what it's like, it's don't like, it's kind of like shove the emotions under the rug and let's make this fun. Let's, let's cut the rug. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's cut the rug. Um, which is really uh, interesting. But this, yeah. Yeah, this song, I think this is one of the only ones that does that. Yeah. And it's one of the ones we don't play live, too. Yeah, we have. On this album. Well, historically, we don't play any of these songs anymore. But um, I think taking it back, though, to the idea of like self-doubt and self uh, deprecation, I guess. I feel, I feel like looking, looking back on where you've been is always painful because we all go through shit and we all kind of have been through rough stuff. And so like, sometimes it hurts to look back on that. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes you have regrets, but you always have to remember that those feelings and those, those experiences and, and everything you've gone through is what makes you what you are now. And so not acknowledging your past and not acknowledging where you've been, not listening to these songs and listening to these old albums, we're losing the bigger picture of the story of where, where we've come. So, we always like to listen to these songs and, and remember, like, even even though, like, it's super rough and super, like, not polished at all, we're still, I, I'm still proud of, of what we've done because I can, I can see the bigger picture of, like, how it's shaped what we're doing now, which I'm stoked about. Yeah. And we would not be where we are now if it wasn't for putting this album out and spending so much time you know, struggling through these songs just to put something out. Just to put anything out. And so, and that's what we've learned is that instead of being afraid of, of how it will be received or how people might give like feedback about it, we're on to something else where it's, it's, it's about what we've been creating this whole time and where we've been going with it. And the momentum of that is what's driving what we're doing now instead of the, the need for people to appreciate it. And, and we've kind of escaped, we've escaped that bubble of self-doubt into something more, which is we are now just keeping the momentum yeah, and learning and progressing and becoming better. And I think that that's what, that's what I get out of it. It's like every time we put something new together, I'm so proud of it because 
we've put in the time and we've put in the effort and it only makes the next thing better because yeah. we put the time in. Yeah. And that's, that's mm. neglecting, neglecting your journey to get where you are. Even if you're not anywhere, even if you're just starting is neglecting you like where we are now is we are, we are able to embrace and accept who we are. And like, like our new albums about self-reflective self-reflectance and accepting the world we've created for ourselves. And if you try to shut out your yourself 10 years ago, then you're shutting out yourself today. It's the same. Um, and this is so perfect. Again, do you have something to say? It's so perfect because my transition earlier was getting to this, is that I've been talking to a lot of people online about creating anything. And everyone is afraid to create things because they don't feel like they're good enough. And we can testify that starting somewhere is better than not starting at all. And you have to do something. And the first thing you're going to make in 10 years, you're going to look back and it's going to fucking suck. But if your heart is set and you know yourself, your, your truth is the truth that has to be behind the thing you're making. Whether it's music, whether it's videos, whether you're writing a book or, or fucking doing pottery, it doesn't matter. It's like if you're at a place in your life where you want to start doing that and sharing it, you have to just start. Not being good enough is the first step to excellence. Yeah. That is the precursor. That is the prerequisite to excellence. If you don't start, I I mean, nobody starts excellent. We are not excellent, but we're sure as hell better than zero now because we started 10 years ago. We started 11 years ago. We played our first show. We rushed this show. We played a Halloween talent show or something at Colorado State University in their Ramskeller. Um, and we, we got painted up like zombies and yeah. played with our pal, Matt Galuzzi, on He played guitar. And piano. And piano. And we had a drum machine. We had a yeah, Roland, uh, like, drum, like, hardware drum machine. It wasn't an 808. No. It was, a, it was like a, it was, I think it was like a 707 or something, yeah. some Super. Uh, other one. Yeah. And we literally just started like you can do it if you're listening and you can play guitar and you're afraid to share it in a a video or at an open mic night you can do it nobody knows anything there's a video of that first show somewhere (laughs) and i will like that video is probably terrible it's so but it was the first step we were just too we were so serious because we felt like there was so much on the line and looking back it was literally a college campus talent show 
slash Halloween There's maybe party. like 30 people there. Yeah. And look, like, I mean, we were nervous. We were, I was nervous. Yeah. Well, it's because we, we took exactly what we were doing in your living room. <laughs> yeah. To the stage for the first time. And you and I had both performed on stage before. So that's not the issue. The issue is taking what you've been doing for the first time, putting it in front of an audience and seeing what happens. And that's why it was nerve wracking. Like, cause we were not new performers. We were new. We were new creators. New we cre- were sharing yes. the, for the first time what, what we had made. And that's a scary moment because what you made is your baby. And it's only your baby until you get it out there and grow. And then it is your, <laughs> then it's your, you know, stepchild. Then it's, yeah, then it's your <laughs> stepchild or it's, it's that just so quickly becomes secondary to the next thing. Yeah. Um, but that's what started the momentum that's been going for 11 years. And, and beyond, beyond that, there, there is, uh, I don't think we've had moments very often where we get together and question why we're doing it. Question like the, I'm not feeling like this is do like we're not fulfilling something like we've, we might not be, you know, top 100 on Spotify, but the fact that we know exactly where our heart is and how we're expressing ourselves makes it so that doesn't matter. And we are not prof- professional musicians. We have made money doing, we've, you know, we've done some Coca-Cola tracks. Go check out our Coca-Cola track on freaking uh, Spotify. We did that. And that, is that a professional musician? I don't know. I will say that if that's a professional musician or all of our experience is professional enough, then professional musicians sure shit don't get paid very much. And that's why we're not professional musicians because we want to be able to live our lives and pay our bills. Um, but, but that takes it, it like for anyone, for anyone back to the thing about self doubt, anyone doing anything. If your goal is to find within yourself, those expressive elements and share them in your way and in your words or your creative, uh, experience, whatever that is, then your journey is going to be solid. But if your goal is to make a bunch of dope beats and be the hottest DJ in town or make a bunch of videos and be the next Casey Neistat, like that's not a goal that is founded in you. That is a goal founded in others. And so you need to embrace yourself. You are what is special. Your ideas are what make you different. Casey Neistat did his thing. Don't do his thing. He did it. Candace Poole is doing her thing. Yes. And it's working regardless of anything else. She is not doing Casey Neistat's thing. And it almost seems like she resents that his thing is leaning against her thing because she doesn't want her thing to only be there because of his thing. She wants her goal, her expression, her creation to be from her. 
It's sound if you do that like that. And if you fail, if and, and, and failure is not even, you, there's no measurable element to be failing if you're doing you. So, but if you don't reach those people's goals, the, if you don't reach Casey Neistat or, or Candace Poole or freaking local DJ hero, DJ dubstep, whatever, then you should still feel good that you are putting it out there. Most people do not have the courage to share their creations or don't have the, the time or energy to do that. And so the fact that you can shoot video and share it, that is success. If we can finish an album, even if it's in 2010 and we don't really know what we're doing and we're trying our hardest, the fact that we've made it about our story and our hearts, that is success. And our next album, whenever the fuck it's done, when we get it out there, for us, that is success. Because that is us expressing ourselves. That is me, my heart. My heart and my emotional expression coming to life so you can listen. That idea is so... It, it makes me so vulnerable. I'm taking, we're taking our hearts and we're literally putting them in a fucking three megabyte file for you to click on your phone with your greasy fingers and listen to, like, think about it. Like you have, you have nothing to lose by listening to it. And you are the one with the power to go on Twitter, go online, make a video and talk shit about our music. We have no power except for we've just spent years trying to make something that represents us. We are the vulnerable ones. We as creators, you included, the one listening, we are the ones being vulnerable and the people that are vulnerable are going to win because we are striking the chord of creation within us. We're making the things that give us life and let us feel purpose. And inspire new creation. Exactly. Casey Neistat is inspiring. He has, for the past several years, inspired young creators to make something, whether or not they are their own creations or trying to mimic his, that's not on him. It is on you to make your creation. That sounds like a good place to wrap up. It does. But before we wrap up, I asked for some questions on the on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. I think I got a couple, which is which I almost don't believe, but that's crazy. Um, so in today's episode, you heard about Sucker for Lights. Go check them out. Link in the description. Uh, if you can't find the link whatever you're list- on whatever you're listening to, go check out Anchor, um, anchor.fm, uh, find our thing, and the links will be there. We talked about Casey Neistat and Candace Poole's Candace, podcast called, called Couples Therapy. Couples Therapy. Candace, Very cool. Uh, Candace, you're doing a great job. We believe in you. Casey has nothing to do with anything. Casey, you're doing great, too. But Candace, your your whole thing is great. Um, 
Okay. I have some on here. And then uh, showed you a track from our first our f- album our ever. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably the most vulnerable track. Yes, that is the one that where we are the most vulnerable. So you've gotten a sneak peek. You've seen you've seen ours. We want to see yours. <laughs> and if you do have if you have your old stuff that you think is goofy and dorky and not that great, I would love to see it. Yeah, send it because to us. it truly does show progress. Send it to us. We're on Instagram. Um, Nick Richmond on Instagram. Trey. Under- Can people reach out to us through Anchor? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I know that people can leave you voicemails. Um, on Anchor? Yeah. Leave voicemails? Yep. Whoa. That's cool. We'll look into that. But, uh, yeah. Just just tweet at Nick. Tweet it. Yeah, tweet at me. Nick Witchman. Um, we had a, a William Gray Allen, a dope dude on Instagram that I've been chatting with and... Uh, I just sent him some CBD chocolate today. He's oh, in he's in Louisiana. Um, he said that he is interested in logic. William, if you're listening, that is a very broad question. Uh, we I don't think we have time to go through all of logic <laughs> right now. We we do all of our production in Logic Pro on a Mac. Um, we use a bunch of uh, bunch of plugins. We use Silenth. We use um, Kickstart. <laughs> Kickstart. Kickstarts are, are when we're doing four on the floors, we'll use Nikki Romero's Kickstart because we're lazy. Uh, otherwise, we would use side, real sidechain compression if we're doing like trap beats. Um, what else we got? We use a couple other things that we like a lot. We've been, we've been, we use FabFilter, uh, Pro-Q if you're doing your, your uh, EQs. We use, um, Contact contacts, five. yeah, contact, and we've been using uh, exhale for some supplementary vocal chops. Uh, what's the what's the one that we were using for? Is it? Oh, it's this one, Arturia, uh, the CS eighty V two, which is name. like a super vintage synth. Yeah. It's a it's like a vintage like synth uh, emulator. Yeah, that's. Very confusing to learn, but once you learn it, it's it's really cool. Huge, yeah. Um, we also like the Waves Waves plugins. There's just so many good ones. Uh, we use a lot of Vengeance drum samples. Yeah, um, those are super powerful and neat. Yeah, if you need some samples to get started, go check them out. Um, and then the. the the key things to learn in, in actually, you know, if you're, if you're just getting started in logic, just start putting stuff down. Yeah. Don't worry about mixing. Don't too much. Don't, don't even worry, worry about, about plugins. Like just, yeah. just start, start with right. presets. So yeah. Put in a couple instruments and just start playing around on a MIDI keyboard or record something. Yeah. Like if you need to, re- like if you have a mic or, or even your laptop mic or whatever, like just just lay down start, some tracks and just like write a quick song and and just like start playing with shit and just like start looking at like 
all the different options you have. I did. Like, I did record when I was traveling a bunch for work. I was on this flight with this. Uh, there was this old dude. I was on the window. This old guy in this brown like suit. He looked. He was pretty classy. He was uh, sitting on the aisle seat in this young polo wearing fuck. Uh, he was the young polo wearing fuck was like a dad.com too. He was like a dad bod polo fucker. He came and he literally, this old dude had to be 85 and up, maybe 90. He had white hair, frail dude, sweet little man. And, he, and this young beer belly fucker walked down the aisle and started yelling, not at the guy. He was yelling at the flight attendants that this old guy was in his seat. Like conflict resolution. You got to learn how to confront people and be a communicator. If you're just a dumb piece of shit that yells to someone, tells mommy that there's a problem. Oh, you yell at service workers to totally fix your problem. To solve your problem. But the, but the guy's right there and the guy couldn't hear almost anything. And so the guy eventually, they're like, oh, this isn't your seat. He stands up. He has to sit in the middle seat. And that polo wearing fucker and his business dude, business buds that were sitting in the rows around him, he sat on the aisle seat. The old man sat in the middle and he's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I'm sorry. And it's all, my heart literally broke, literally broke in half. I've never wanted to punch like a, a used car salesman looking motherfucker more than I did that day. But uh, my heart broke. I was in the window seat. I pulled out my computer. I think I was flying to, I might've been flying to Atlanta or something for work, but, and I wrote this song that was, it's like heartbreaking and I didn't have any mics and I wanted to put my lyrics down. So when we got to the hotel, I pulled out my earbuds, my headphones, and I recorded it really soft vocal, uh... holding the the earbud in the little mic part in my hand. I like, forgot that you could do that. You I used to do that all the time. Totally. You don't need you don't need the gear. It's it's just like shooting video. If you can tell your story with the shitty gear, you can tell your story with any gear. But if you need think you need the best gear to to create, then you're you are actually lacking as a creator because the creative process should you should be able to write a song or write or make a video with your phone with your with a freaking ukulele with a guitar or with a piano or with a anything like you should be able to to do it with nothing and then production of it is is the fully the the fully realized version of your creation don't wait until you have everything to think you can make something. Jesus Christ, we're going all over with like heavy hitting concepts, but. Um, Are there any questions? <laughs> Let me look. Next question. Thank you, William, <laughs> for your question. His middle name's Gray, which, which our band name. Uh, Is it with an EY or an AY? It's an AY. Oh, shit. That's our gray. Yeah, so uh, our band name, Ask You in Gray, uh, it, we came up with that when we lived in Colorado. We were trying to come up with a name that didn't mean much because we don't like people. You don't want it to seem like some really thought out name, whatever. Ask You in Gray is the name. And then if you say it really quick, Ask You in Gray, Ask You in Gray, uh, we had this long 
like long running concept that we would start a, a record label, an indie record label called Ewing Gray, as if that were a, a person. And I actually still have a photo I found at a thrift store of this like le- like early 19th century or late late 19th century uh, dude with his big old mustache. And we were going to say that that was the guy Ewing, Ewing Gray. Gray. And so people ask our band name. We're like, ask you and Gray. Yeah, we don't I, know something like that. It's so stupid. <laughs> so, but but uh, William Gray Allen. I thought that was dope. Thanks, William. Um, yeah, thanks, William. Uh, that's all the questions we need. Um, but that's uh, that's it. Where uh, this is Nick and Trey off the record because most of this stuff is sure as hell not going on any sort of album (laughs) but uh we appreciate you guys listening if you have any questions reach out like man it's all about making your thing if you can if we can do anything to help you get started making your thing reach out to us because we have resources we have understanding and uh we have connections so yeah and william if you need help getting started in the logic let us know yeah william i'll uh when you get your chocolate i already sent you chocolate i'm hooking you up enough uh when you get that we can hop on a FaceTime and we'll I'll walk you through some some beats. Um, but that's it. Uh, anything coming up in this next week that's going to be dope? <clears throat> Not dope. I'm getting my tooth pulled out tomorrow. So free drugs? No. Not free, but discount drugs. Cheap, cheap drugs. <laughs> cheap drugs. Yeah. But drugs nonetheless. Yeah, that's so. Uh, I'll be drugged out all weekend probably. Is it one of your front teeth? No, it's a molar. Number two, actually. If molar? You, if you're a dentist, number two, you know which one that is. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, a week from today, I'm leaving for SoCal to go check out the NASA launch shooting video and photography. What date is that? Wednesday. You leave Wednesday <laughs> leave, to go do that? I leave the... Shit, man. I have it on my calendar. I'm leaving Wednesday, coming back Sunday. Fuck, dude. You're going to have a blast, literally. <laughs> They're launching a satellite, ICESat-2. It's going to be launching from uh, Lompoc, California, to survey the Earth's elevations to around the ice caps, primarily to test for uh, receding, uh, Earth's receding hairlines. <laughs> um, but it's pretty dope. I've never been to one of these social NASA things, but they invited me after I applied and I got accepted and I am going to, I've never done this, but it's scary, but it's going to be really exciting and I'm just going to take everything I have and talk to everyone and try to make And you're going to tell a story from your perspective. Exactly. Because my, and that's the thing, if there's a bunch, there's supposed to be, I don't know how many social people there are. I think it's something like 50. I don't, I don't actually know, but I would expect more, but that's, but if there's 50 people there, this is just a side note before we end. If you go to something, if you're trying to tell a story and you go somewhere and you're telling, you're all going to tell the same story, that's going to be a boring set of 50 stories. Tell your story, tell your story, tell, or find the story, find the reason why you care and try to pull in the people you're talking to, 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 reflect your side of the story uh, my my goal right now is to, to try to find something aside from the launch and the satellites like there's a bigger picture nasa's nasa's a big deal and especially in our music we've like space travel 
and science fiction type of adventure is really big. So like I get to talk to some of the scientists and some of the engineers and, and if I can find out what, what the emotional side of their space voyage is, they are, whether or not they're going into space, they are, they are building real rocket ships to go to space. And like, what does that mean to them as an individual, not as a group? And where do they want to go as an individual with that power? So that's kind of part of my side of the, of my goal. That's in a week. Cool. Um, yeah, hit us up if you need anything. We're here. We're, we're probably going to be packaging a bunch of silent presets named very cool things like, uh, our presets are named ridiculous things like base grit. Uh, no, wait, the, the build blip. We got the build blip. We got the, um, what the, the screamy, dreamy, screamy, dreamy, sad and eerie, sad and eerie. We got the sad pluck. Uh, we've got the baby boy, the synth baby boy. We got the synth baby girl. Those are two different synths. Um, we've got the synth jump stab. We've got, uh, we got so many, the synth moving saw chill. That's one. And the trap, the time trap buzz. We've got about like 80 or 90 presets that we've got in here that we use all the time. We're, we're, working on getting those and packaging them up for, uh, for sharing as well as a bunch of other stuff. So we're trying to build a resource repository that we can share with you. Um, hit us up. We appreciate you listening. And this is off the record with Nick and Trey. Bye. Bye. This is off the record, right?